This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. But I think he was right to say, you know, when we when we start talking about the Spirit, in a sense, what we should do is start talking about Jesus Christ. They go together. I mean, that we're talking about the triune God here. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master. I'm joined by my co-host and colleague and friend, James Dalzell. And our guest today is Danny Hyde. Danny is the pastor of Oceanside United Reformed Church, where he's been since its inception in 2000. He is also a teacher. He teaches at a number of theological seminaries. He serves on the Advisory Council of Word and Deed Ministries. He's a writer. He's written a number of different books. And He's going to be speaking at the upcoming Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology, the PCRT, one of the flagship events of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And the topic of the conference is the spirit of the age, age of the spirit. And so Danny's addresses are going to address the Holy Spirit and the doctrine of the spirit and what we know about Pentecost and how we're supposed to live in light of that, I should also say for those of you who are able to listen through the the entirety of the interview, we'd like to offer you at the end an opportunity to get a free copy of an earlier PCRT from 2002 that addressed many of these same topics and includes addresses by the late Dr. R.C. Sproul and, and also Phil Riken and Mike Horton and other good teachers. So in any case, Danny, thank you for joining us today on Theology on the Go. Yeah, thanks for having me. I wanted to just start by asking a little bit about your own background. You are going to be speaking on the Holy Spirit. You have done considerable work on the doctrine of the Spirit. And I know some things about you that lead me to understand that this is something where you've you've really grown and developed, and it's it's been a significant process that the Lord has brought you through. That's right. I was uh, converted in the Foursquare Church, which some people might know that... Uh, because of Amy Simple McPherson. So she was the founder of Four Square Denomination here in the States and converted when I was uh, later a uh, teenager, so about 17, 17 and a half years old or so. Then uh, went on to uh, a Pentecostal Christian college that was affiliated with the Assemblies of God. And it was, it was in those years, only a couple of years, you know, in charismatic Pentecostal circles where I was also a youth pastor in a Pentecostal church. But uh, just a lot of the experiences or my own personal lack of it, those experiences, speaking in tongues and, and other, uh, you know, outward manifestations, not experiencing all those things to the degree which I was supposed to, that led me to somewhat of a despair. But the Lord used all those things to bring me to question and find answers in historic reformational thinking. So that's what sort of the, the, the short answer, what brought me to the Reformed faith was uh, my own experience with Pentecostalism. Danny, sometimes we hear that the Reformed faith is suppressive of the doctrine of the Spirit, and I'm sh- sure you will be telling us in your, in your talks at PCRT, and as you have in your preaching, that that's not the case. How is it that you didn't have to give up on the Spirit in order to move to Reformed theology? And then a footnote to that afterward— does Reformed theology have a more robust doctrine of the Spirit? How so? Yeah, huge questions. <laughs> How do you uh, not leave the Spirit behind? I guess kind of the uh, the gist of it all. Really uh, focusing upon Christ and 
you know, seeing how, as Jesus himself talks about uh, in the gospel, that the Spirit is the one who has been sent to glorify Christ and to teach us, bring to remembrance the things of Christ. And so, you know, to really see how the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. It's interesting in Romans 8 how how Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God, but also the Spirit of Christ. Uh, You know, if we have Christ, we have the Spirit. And so, those ideas, those uh, New Testament terms and concepts really brought assurance to me to see that, you know, if I'm in Christ, that I am a new creature. And if I have Christ, then I have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing uh, in the heavenly places in Christ. And so, you know, we can sometimes, you know, in Reformed circles, you know, we talk about Christ-centered preaching, you know, Christ-centered this, Christ-centered that. We, we can, in a sense, lose our connection to the Holy Spirit by so focusing upon the personal work of Christ. But, you know, that should bring us back at all times, though, to the Spirit. So, you know, really thinking of it in a more whole-orbed kind of a way, you know, we are Trinitarian and... You know, we, we don't want to overemphasize one person to the exclusion of the other. If we have one, we have all, when we think of all three, we think of the one. So, yeah, you know, for me at least, as I look to the New Testament and I think about my own experience and how the Lord brought me through all that, to be united to Christ by faith in Him and to, you know, have that joy that He gives by the power of His Holy Spirit. I think it's interesting that you, when you talk about Christ and you talk about the Spirit, there's this volley where we almost can't isolate our Christology as one locus that says nothing of the spirit or vice versa. Speak of the spirit and say nothing of Christ. Are we doing, are we doing the doctrine of the Holy spirit? If it's stripped of Christology? Yeah, no, (laughs) uh, you know, one of my, uh, big texts in seminary at least was, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, where he talks about, you know, the the Lord is the Spirit, that really interesting language there. And I know, uh, you know, in our sort of Reformed tradition, we've done a lot with that text, Dr. Gaffin and so forth. Yeah, you know, we, we can't divorce theology proper from Christology, from pneumatology. You know, we do that for teaching method, but they go together. I mean, that we're talking about the triune God here. And so hmm. certainly we do focus upon how each of the persons have a particular office, particular emphasis that we look upon them for, but the works that God does in the world, they're indivisible. And so we think of the one, we think of the three. So yeah, it's, it's really a a wonderful thing to think about the spirit, you know, in this conference, thinking about the work of the Holy spirit, but we can't do that apart from, the Lord Jesus Christ. And for me, you know, in my own personal, you know, doctoral studies on John Owen, you know, Owen sets out Mm. uh, to set out a whole theology of the Holy Spirit. But the way he does that, it's interesting, is that he focuses upon Christ. And so it's the Spirit's work in Christ, in his incarnation, in, in his life, death, burial, resurrection, so forth. It's, he focuses upon the Spirit, but he does so through the, the ministry of Christ. Danny, I wanted to, 
return a little bit to something you alluded to earlier about your own previous experience. I'm wondering if if someone were to ask you today, you know, how can I grow in my understanding of the Holy Spirit's ministry or even my experience of the Holy Spirit's ministry? What does it mean to live as a as a Pentecost Christian? I think that gets defined in a certain way yeah. in maybe perhaps the kind of churches that you came out of, but how would you define that today to someone in your church? Yeah, obviously, like I just said, you know, focusing on Christ in terms of our, our faith in Him and experiencing, you know, the work of the Spirit that He sends upon us. But how does that, you know, feel tangible? That, that's really what the question is that people ask me as a pastor is, okay, I know that, you know, but I don't see faith, you know, uh, where do I take my, you know, there's no place I go, you know, what do I get to hold my hands as it were? And so what I point people to is the Word you know, and for us in Reformed tradition, we talk about the sacraments. And so, how do I experience in a tangible way what can be ethereal, mystical, you know, experience of the Holy Spirit is in the Word and sacraments. And so, when I read my Bible, I'm hearing the voice of God, the work of the Spirit, who's inspired these words. I'm reading His words to me, and... When I come to hear that, you know, in a public way, I'm hearing the Spirit as He's drawing me to Christ so that I might be drawn to the Father. And when I receive the sacraments, and when I see a baptism, when I experience the Lord's Supper, these are the means that the Spirit is using to give me an assurance that I belong to Christ. And if I belong to Christ, then that means that I'm loved by God as a Father. And so, word and sacraments, you know, we use it as a cliche a lot of times, you know, word and sacrament ministry, word and sacrament church. But at least for us in our, in our congregation, you know, we really see those tangible media as the Spirit's ministry in our midst. And so, I tell people to, you know, go get back to the word. If you're in the word, and if you're celebrating that in a public way in a church where you have preaching and sacraments, you know, ordinarily that that is going to not just assure you personally, but it's also going to empower you as a member of a body to live a life in community with other people. Danny, I think that's a helpful response because sometimes we might get the idea that if our ministry or the church that we go to is particularly text-based, focused on word and sacrament, that somehow being text-based drives out or suppresses the freedom of the Spirit. Yep. You're arguing the opposite, yep. <laughs> uh, that in fact, it's, it's in the text that the Spirit speaks to us at length. That's right. Yeah. So um, that an encounter of the Spirit doesn't mean I close my Bible and wait for something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've even said, you know, to sermons, um, not, not just in sermons to the whole congregation, but, you know, even addressing kids in a sermon we're living as believers, you know, where I'm at and where most of us are at, you know, there's going to be Pentecostal and charismatic and big, big churches around. They're going to have lots of friends and they're going to have exciting things and this and that. But I've said to kids in sermons, you know, how can you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? And I've said, you know, you open up your Bible and you start reading. <laughs> that's right. That's how you hear the Spirit. Um, that doesn't mean the Spirit, you know, is boxed in, you know, you know, we're the sort of frozen chosen and we kind of, you know, corral the spirit. We shackle the spirit. No, that means that I'm, that the spirit freely works through the, the means that he's appointed. 
it doesn't mean that again that that we've bound him in and that somehow he he can't he can't work apart from means he can do what he wants he's god he's sovereign he's like the wind jesus says we can't corral and he goes and blows where he wishes but he's promised he's bound himself to these means and we know therefore that he's going to work and so that actually is a freeing thing that i know that as i read and as i meditate upon scripture as i as i seek to to hear it read and proclaimed publicly and as i celebrate it with other people you know in a body that frees me then to you know receive what he actually is saying and how he wants me actually to live and not not to to have to sit there and wait you know or have to go through a certain structure of process to receive the spirit or to hear his voice that ends up becoming more formulaic and that was my experience was the pentecostal sort of structure and experience and the steps that you take that was actually more formulaic than liturgical mm. you know structured reformed worship so for me it's wow. yeah for me it's the opposite so and i think that is a biblical concept that it's in that form that we find the freedom of the holy spirit so with Danny Hyde, we want to encourage our listeners to seek a word from the Spirit and to open your Bible to discover that word. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the, the Spirit's going to help us to understand. He's going to apply, help us to see that word, you know, not just merely in its you know original context, but how does that continue to relevantly speak to me in this time and place, you know, again, as a part of the body of Christ, you know, these things are never done in isolation from being a part of Christ and his body. Danny, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate you coming on here and we're looking forward to your addresses at the upcoming PCRT, which is in both Grand Rapids and then in Philadelphia. So Danny, thanks. Thanks for your time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been been a blast. So James, just a couple of reflections on some of the things Danny was saying, and particularly at the end, that's, you know, some of the things he said at the end really grabbed a hold of me and I think need to be central in our understanding of the work of the Spirit when he tied together the work of the Spirit and the work of the Word of God. Um, It's one of these themes that just comes up over and over again in the Bible. In creation, God is creating by means of his Word and, and the Spirit is mentioned and we're given new life. We're told by the Holy Spirit, we're regenerated by the Holy Spirit, and yet James talks about us being brought to life by the Word of God. And so, one of the things that strikes me is maybe the most significant things to keep in mind in in ministry, and then also as we talk about issues of growing in our spiritual lives, is that inseparable connection, really, between the Holy Spirit and God's Word. I think sometimes it's easy to think of the Spirit as the silent partner in the Trinity. When you look for texts where the Scriptures present the Spirit speaking in the first-person voice, I can only think of one. Maybe there are more. The only one I can think of is Acts 13, where there's actually a quotation mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. Spirit speaking. So, what, right. what, is, you know, what is the word of the Spirit apart from one commission of the apostles right. in Acts 13? But Second Peter chapter 1 tells us that no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved or carried along by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So, there's a certain sense in which, in terms of speaking in the first-person voice— The Spirit may be the quietest of the three persons as presented to us in Scripture, but there's also a sense in which the Spirit speaks everywhere Scripture speaks, as much as Scripture speaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think, too, I mean, 
bringing up Acts is helpful in that regard. You're right. Second Peter one gives us that really clear teaching about the Spirit's work and inspiration. But also in Acts one, while the Spirit's not speaking in the first person, as you say, Peter talks about the scriptures. And it's very interesting. He does exactly what Jesus himself does. Peter will say the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke through the mouth of David. And so you have there the human author, David, and you could stand up and say, when you open the Psalms, you know, David said this, but you could also equally say the scripture said this, or you could say what Peter said, the Holy Spirit spoke in this. And, and, and I think that going back and forth, sort of toggling back and forth between the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says, is something that we see in Acts, we see in the Gospels, and it's important for us to understand when we open our Bibles. Right. I think it's also important, and so our listeners are clear on, on what we're saying, we're not, we're not suggesting that there is no agency of the Holy Spirit no. that is operative outside of or alongside of the Word of, of Scripture, but rather that the Spirit is the Spirit of conviction that dwells inside of us, that gives us assurance that the things that we're reading in the Scriptures are, in fact, what they are, the Word of God. Right. Right. And that this is, and, and Danny, I think, did a nice job connecting it to Christology. When you ask yeah. him about pneumatology, he started speaking about Jesus. Yes. But I think this is fitting in that the Spirit is the Spirit of union who joins us to Christ. And if we think of even Pentecost, when Jesus bestowed good gifts on his church at Pentecost, the gift he bestowed was his Spirit. And it's this Spirit that joins his body to himself and that causes us to be one in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I think... There's an illustration I've used with students, and I think I got at least most of it, maybe all of it, from something that J.I. Packer wrote, so it's certainly not original with me, but I think Packer talks about the Spirit shining a spotlight on Jesus Christ, and if you sort of extend that a little bit, which is what I've done sometimes with my students, I think, you know, you never you never walk out of a play or a musical performance and say, wow, didn't the spotlight operator do a great job? In fact, it's the fact that you saw the figure on the stage that let you know the spotlight operator is doing a good job. And again, all these analogies, of course, break down at some level. But, but I think he was right to say, you know, when we, when we start talking about the Spirit, in a sense, what we should do is start talking about Jesus Christ. Right. That's right. And I, there's an interesting way in which in the Scriptures, sometimes receiving Christ and receiving the Spirit are described in ways that sort of mesh together and intertwine with one another. I'm, I'm thinking of Jesus's words in John 7, where he, he says in verse 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then he cites uh, Isaiah 58, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John immediately adds to that, but this he spoke of the spirit. Mm, yeah. So yeah. that, to receive Jesus and to receive Jesus as, you know, the water from which we will never thirst again if we partake of this water is to receive the Spirit. And it's not something where we need to sort of um, clinically bifurcate right. these two realities where receiving Jesus sort of runs along one rail, receiving the Spirit runs along another. But to receive Christ in faith, to believe on him and to receive the water he offers, to drink of him is to receive the Spirit. We're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you this, James, while we're still recording. Have there been particular books? I usually ask you know, our guests this, but have there been particular books that sort of helped you understand this or even sermons that you heard or things like that that kind of made these connections and opened this up for you? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll give my favorite book on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I know everyone wants me to say, oh, in two volumes. And that is no, that's no. classic. No, I think most people don't they want, don't you want to me say to say that. that. Well, the purists want me to say that. Right, so, right, right. yes, that is classic. It is fantastic. And, it, and it, some people should spend a long time with Owen. Um, I like Sinclair Ferguson's book, yes. The Holy Spirit. It's a great book. The first time I read that book, I got to the end of it and I was strangely disappointed. This is before I had read much in this area and i made a little comment at the end of the book should have been titled union with christ hmm. and then uh, a few years later i took a class with dr ferguson on the spirit in the theology of john calvin and it was only then and this just maybe speaks to my thick-headedness it was only then that i actually understood that that was the whole point a book on the holy spirit and a book on union with christ had to be the case and so I, I do like Ferguson's book in that IVP series, yeah, that's The Holy book. Spirit. Yeah, that's, that is, um, that's an outstanding recommendation. All right. Well, we are out of time. I want to remind our listeners, if you are interested in receiving the CDs from the 2002 PCRT, which was called The Promised Holy Spirit and had, as I said at the beginning, had addresses by R.C. Sproul and D.A. Carson and Mike Horton and others. You can register for the opportunity to win that by going to placefortruth.org, clicking on the Theology on the Go link, and there'll be another menu option for you to enter to win copies of that. Also, I want to remind you that this podcast and really all the work of the Alliance is only possible because of support from listeners like you. So if you are able to support the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals financially, you can do that on placefortruth.org, click the donate button or alliancenet.org. Also, you can click the donate button. Also, if you want to register for PCRT, if you're listening to this before April 13th through 15th, 2018, and you're in Grand Rapids or near Grand Rapids, you can register for that conference. And then the PCRT will be in Philadelphia, April 27th through 29th, 2018. And thanks, as always, for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. <laughs>